2: Quarterbacks are dropping like flies. We're talking all that and more on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Hi, everyone. Welcome on into Roto-Viz Radio, brought to you by MyBookieSports.com axios.com and Indochino. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at RotoViz. I'm joined as always by Matthew Friedman, the Editor-in-Chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. Matt, what is going on in the NFL right now? All of these changes have been made through the years to protect quarterbacks, and we're seeing some of the biggest names go down this season. What is going on?
1: Uh well I have on my dynasty team uh Patrick Mahomes and Matt Ryan so that is what's happening uh it all revolves around me uh, so like yeah, most yeah. things in this world exactly so uh yeah it's it's uh you know the universe screwing my uh awesome dynasty team but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, just it's, I feel like stuff like this happens almost every season. There was uh, a season a couple of years ago that was particularly bad. It was the one where uh, Rodgers got injured and was out for most of the year. Um, it seemed like just lots of quarterbacks got injured that year. And, you know, just sometimes this stuff happens. Um, offensive line play, especially, I think is um, at least like in part to blame because it's just harder um for teams like to to practice to get all their protections and everything during the season during the week so stuff like this eventually happens
2: yeah um it, it it's easy to forget the particulars of of seasons as they move along but I feel like every year you're always saying oh what a weird season it was there was all these injuries but it happens every year uh nonetheless though we're talking about this season what do you think the chiefs and particularly those fantasy players that we're relying on each week are going to be able to do if Mahomes does miss two, three, even four games? Does it concern you? Do you think that we can expect the offense to f- still function pretty well? How much of a downgrade is it? Oh, I think it's a massive downgrade.
1: Um, I mean, Matt Moore looked okay in his, uh, you know, like two, three quarters, whatever it was of action. Um, but uh, no, I mean, it's a, a horrible situation I would expect the offense to regress significantly, and instead of being a um, like a wide receiver one, I think Tyreek is now like low end wide receiver one, wide receiver two. Um, it bumps down like the uh, flex or GPP upside of all of the other players in the offense. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a pretty significant downgrade for everybody.
2: Yeah, I'm really worried as somebody that uh, this was one of the first seasons where I really went after a tight end in an auction. I aggressively went after Travis Kelsey and things were not going that great for him this season to begin with. And with this upcoming stretch without Mahomes, I feel like I could be at the precipice of a disaster with Kelsey. And then also with the running backs, I think it's really hard to feel great about starting any of them now um as we really can't rely on this offense or excuse me we can't rely on the defense to keep things very competitive we could see a situation where they have to start passing a lot and i think the other thing to keep in mind is this thursday night game the broncos were just atrocious so we didn't really get to see what more would look like um under significant pressure in terms of the outcome of the game so i'm i'm pretty worried
1: yeah and um just to kind of put a sense to the numbers here Um, so right now, Kelsey, I'm starting to do projections for, so we're recording this on Monday night. I'm starting to do projections for week eight. Uh, I think that Kelsey is probably going to be like in the tight end three to tight end five range, whereas normally he's locked into one or two, uh, and Tyreek, I think will probably be like wide receiver 16 to 22 around there.
2: Yeah, which I can certainly see how um, you have to move him down to that slot. Now, let's let's talk about the other big quarterback injury of the week, which was Matt Ryan, who's in a walking boot. Um, last I heard, I don't know if you've seen anything this afternoon that's an update on the situation. But nonetheless, it's clear he's going to miss some time. I think that like the Mahomes injury, this has to impact the offense. Who do you think... Is going to be in the worst situation because of this.
1: Uh, I think Julio will, I think he will be able to sustain just through sheer target share, but I think everyone else gets scaled back. So, Matt Schaub, um, I think he's going to be atrocious, um, but uh, it'll be a situation where Julio gets. Whatever the raw volume is that Julio normally gets, I still think he's going to get that, but I think there are going to be fewer targets to go around. So everyone else's target share will get diminished. So it's going to hurt Ridley, really going to hurt Sanu. Uh, I think it's going to hurt Austin Hooper too. Um, Like I think he goes from being like tight end two or three to like tight end four to six, Um, maybe even a little bit lower. Although tight end is just really atrocious, so it's kind of hard to move him any further than that. But I think it it hurts everyone who's not Julio, and I think it it probably still hurts Julio some, except now he's just like a wide receiver like number three instead of wide receiver one overall.
2: Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean Austin Hooper's been at thirteen point two expected points per game. Um, which among tight ends is a pretty aggressive amount. Yeah. There's just no way that that stays there. And the other important thing to realize too, he's been 4.6 points over expectation per game. So without Ryan, that seems hard to keep up. You're going to see the actual expected points come down. So, I mean, this could be, you know, a very crushing blow for owners that have, Hooper and have been relying on him, especially because he was such a surprise. Not that Nobody out there would have thought he could have a good season, but I don't think anybody was expecting the production that he's had thus far.
1: Yeah, uh, totally, totally agree with that.
2: Uh, Jalen Ramsey made an immediate impact for the Rams. Todd Gurley with a nice touchdown reception. But I also think that we're really seeing Gerald Everett become a bit of a factor in this L.A. Rams offense. We've talked about him once before on the show this season, I think. Uh, Have you been particularly encouraged by his performance through seven weeks?
1: Yeah, I guess Um, the, I mean, the, the big thing is uh, in weeks like one through three, he wasn't really doing much, Uh, but starting in week four, he started really to get more target share. Uh, And like at the same time, we saw Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods start to get fewer targets. Um, So yeah, he's, he's been, I mean, I guess like as impressive as I would expect anyone else to be like in their third year, who was like a second round, tight end who had like his uh you know physical profile um he was just really raw coming out of college um but yeah he's he has started to develop and in the past four weeks he's averaged what i don't know like eight targets per game something like that eight and yeah a something half. like that yeah and then um or keep going yeah i mean for a tight end like that's really significant um so yeah i think at this point like he's a you know mid-range low mid-range uh tight end one
2: yeah, and the interesting thing though has been the way that they came. So, or the way that his points came started off this season one point seven, five point one, three point five. Then in Tampa Bay, really took off: fifteen point four, twenty point six against Seattle, two point nine against San Francisco, fifteen against Atlanta. So, as an owner of Everett, uh, who's been relying on him, on him in spots. Because O.J. Howard, uh, who unfortunately the Bucs did not want to move to the Patriots, has been stinking up the joints. We're left with a real up and down kind of flow at this point. But I do think that uh, you know we are looking at a player that will be in that weekly tight end one conversation moving forward. Kevin Coleman, or yeah, any other thoughts on? Yeah, I mean
1: the thing is like he does have that floor of like five targets that he saw in week six against San Francisco, where he had just two receptions for nine scoreless yards. Like that is well within the range of outcomes for him in any given week, Um, just because he does have three really good receivers on his team and a good pass catching back. So in any game, he could be the fifth most important receiving option on his team. So uh, it's it's a situation where you kind of have to say that he's a tight end one at this point. But he has the floor of a tight end too.
2: Yeah, that's definitely a fair framing. And the other thing I think is unfortunately we're looking at a season where that weekly tight end one towards the bottom of that section isn't uh, you know, particularly strong. Yeah. Tevin Coleman, 20 carries for the Niners, an ugly game. Bad weather in this one. Again, we see him out carry Breida. Breida had eight rushes. I think Coleman also had two targets. Breida had one. Of course, though, I think we need to focus on for anybody that didn't see the game. Breida was getting evaluated with a concussion. So if you're just looking at the box score, you might not be aware of that. But still, though, I'm kind of expecting what we're going to see from this backfield as the rest of the season plays out. It's really going to be Breida and Coleman. Those other backs we saw getting mixed in, I expect are going to more or less be phased out.
1: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's accurate. Um, I still think it will be a fairly, well, I mean, I I think still a pretty even timeshare between those two. I think it's going to be hard to say in any given week that like Coleman is clearly the the better play, Um, even though like he'll probably still have more, more touches, but I think in the long term, Brita is still like the more talented player and will be more efficient. So it might even out in terms of total production.
2: Sure. And we actually haven't talked about the pass catchers on this team, specifically the receivers at all, I don't think this season. Um, from a dynasty perspective, which receiver would you most want to own right now?
1: Uh man, I mean it's well either Dante Pettis or Debo Samuel. Um right. yeah, I mean one of those two. Uh I mean Marquise Goodwin is fairly inconsistent on his way out. Uh and then like Richie James is just kind of rotational. Um, I mean, I don't know, out out of Dante Pettis and Debo Samuel, like, I I think they're fairly interchangeable in terms of like what their future might hold and the value that they have.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think the other thing is we haven't really seen either of them have a game this season with more than seven targets. I could be correct. Let me, or incorrect. Let me look up Pettis quickly. Um, no, Pettis hasn't gone over six. Samuel had one game with seven. The the reservation that I have, regardless of how good of a player either one of them might actually be, is in this offense right now and what I would expect for next year. It's not like we're going to see games where they start getting peppered with targets. Um, One receiving touchdown on the season for Pettis so far and then for Samuel, we've only seen one touchdown as well. So it seems to me like this is a team, though they're undefeated at this point, which is pretty surprising, it's not like we're seeing a whole lot of points get generated in the receiving game, which is kind of an, an odd thing to be looking at.
1: I mean but I that- I think that has to change at some point, um just because they have been the league's most run heavy team up to this point. They've run on like a little over fifty seven percent of their plays, um, which like that's just that's so aggressive and not sustainable over the long term. Like I think once they have like they have a game coming up against the Seahawks in a couple of weeks. They have uh the Packers, the Ravens, the Saints, the Falcons the, and then the Rams again. Um I think at some point they do have to start throwing the ball a little bit more. Um so I would expect them to be uh a little more pass heavy. Uh, moving forward than they have been in the past uh so i think i mean it's maybe not a bad time to try to buy low on one of those guys um just because like Garoppolo is a good quarterback um even though he hasn't been called upon to do much this year um i still think he's a good quarterback and Shanahan uh even though he's you know coordinating a really run heavy offense right now like he is still i think like a quarterback type of guy at heart um So I, I don't know. I think at some point it will turn around
2: Washington, just 154 yards of offense on Sunday. Any highlights, any takeaways for us from their performance that they had?
1: Yeah. So, uh, a couple of things, one, uh, under the new, um, Callahan regime as the, uh, interim coach, they have been incredibly run heavy. Um, I think maybe the most run heavy team over the past two weeks. Uh, And so what that means and and they like, they want to continue to do that. Um, I think it will be hard for them to do that to the extent they want to against Minnesota this upcoming week. Um, I think their conditions really led to that. Uh, and that two weeks ago, they played Miami. Uh, last week, they were playing in uh, a massive torrential downpour. Uh, so that uh, skewed everything to the running game. But I still think yeah. they like they want to go that way anyway. So Adrian Peterson uh, has had 20 carries in each of the past two weeks. Um, but I think it's going to be harder for him uh, against Minnesota to do what he wants to do. He's had a, an MRI uh, on Monday. I think he's going to be able to play on Thursday night. Um, but that's something to, to keep an eye on. The big thing is that uh as long as this team is super committed to the run, uh you can basically just blind bet the under on all of Case Keenum's uh player props. <laughs> um, which I wouldn't say like I I blind bet the under on them last week, but like I strategically bet the under on them. Like I immediately bet the under on them. Like I, I saw that they were way too low whenever they were released on Friday. Um and so I uh, just pounced. Uh, and so, you know, different books release lines at different days. So the lines will be different, but wherever it is, like, uh, just keep an eye on the case kingdom unders. So yardage, uh, completions, attempts, touchdowns, whatever number you want to hit. Um, I think all of those will offer value this upcoming week.
2: Yeah. And it always does feel too like when case kingdoms in or really any quarterback for the, for the Redskins at, uh, at this point this season, you know, we're we're minutes from disaster. uh, And and on
1: top of that, it's not just (laughs) minutes from disaster. It's that, like, there's a decent chance that he gets benched, too, at some point. So, like, that is just, like, doubling the chance of the underhitting. For sure. And as a true football
2: fan, you already know that just as sure as the seasons change and that Tom Brady keeps the Patriots in every game, Every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test, and you should be doing the same. We're almost halfway through the season now, so the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with my bookie is now. It's the premier place to bet on all of your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. I've mentioned it before, I like to find a random college game I otherwise wouldn't watch, Just make some arbitrary random bet on it to spice it up. Uh, And then I also really love those fantasy player props. And if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at my bookie. Bet a little, win a lot, try a parlay, pick your locks for the week, put them together in one huge parlay bet, and when they all come through, the rewards will be huge. If you're tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain, my bookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back in the game. And the best part is, if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit that's right. If you put in $1,000, they will give you $1,000. That's double your initial deposit. You can use all your favorite picks and enter that RotoViz promo code to activate the offer. That's RotoViz for the promo code to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Farrow Cooper led the Cardinals in receiving yesterday. Before we talk about the monster performance from Chase Edmonds, any interest for people playing the waiver wire in Farrow Cooper?
1: Uh, absolutely not. Uh, still, <laughs> still 100% committed to uh, uh, Larry Fitzgerald as the guy who's going to be getting the most action on that team through the passing game any given week.
2: But the man's name is Farrow. That has to count for something.
1: It's misspelled. So I I don't uh, I don't think of it as highly as I should. (laughs) Okay. All
2: right. So we all know David Johnson was banged up going into the game, played a very minimal role. Chase Edmonds was the guy. He went wild. 126 yards, three touchdowns. This is interesting because there was another performance from the weekend where we see the main running back. Get forced out due to injury. The backup really comes in and plays excellently. How much of this do you think was just the offense, and how much of this is Chase Edmonds being a really good football
1: player? I think he's really good. Um, I think the the matchup obviously helped, but um, I think it was wrong for people to compare Edmonds to uh, Terry Cohen uh, when he entered the league. I think it was wrong in multiple ways. Like I think it was inaccurate. Um, I think, and I think like it was. It might be weird to say like it was slightly insulting to both of them, but it's just like they have different (laughs) styles of game. Like Cohen is much more of a like uh, Darren Sprolesian uh, only pass catching back. Um, Whereas Edmonds is like a pretty legit runner, uh, really productive in college and like a a decent enough physical profile um, to be like a legit change of pace back who can do everything. Um, I don't think it's ideal for him to be the lead back uh, just in terms of, like, his long-term future or, like, the efficiency for a team. Um, But I think he's more than capable of, uh, you know, kind of pulling uh, an Austin Eckler and, uh, like, filling in. Um, And honestly, like, at this point, he actually might be better than David Johnson. Like, Johnson hasn't been efficient uh, for, like, the last three years. Um, So... Yeah. I don't know. I am impressed with Edmonds. It'll be interesting to see how they decide to divide the uh, the work once we get a healthy David Johnson.
2: Yeah. Well, we have seen Edmonds' workload. There's been a couple of weeks now where I'm going through and looking at the Cardinals and it's been a slow creep, but we're seeing Edmonds start to become a bit more involved now, even if some of that is because of injuries to David Johnson Edmonds has been performing like you said I'm in agreement I think he's a bit more of a well-rounded back that can do more things than a player like Cohen so I I think that it would behoove them to start getting him closer to 10 12 touches a game be it some of those as targets and I do think that we'll still see him um, even when Johnson's back gets somewhat of a role in the Cardinals offense Daniel Jones, 3 fumbles, 2 lost through 1 interception. Uh Saquon Barkley kind of salvaged his day with a touchdown. Not a great game for the New York Football Giants. Um I don't know. I'm not even sure if I really have anything that we need to discuss here as far as fantasy goes.
1: No. Uh I mean, I just think it's it's amazing uh Daniel Jones seemingly gets worse each game. Um You know, in week three, there was talk of him as, like, the clear uh, offensive rookie of the year. Uh, And now he's, like, I'd say not even in the top five. Um, So, yeah. Uh, It's so bad that uh, media have started asking, uh, should they put Eli Manning back in? (laughs) Right. Which is, like, the worst. That's the worst thing ever. So anyway, uh, no, not, not much yeah. to talk about Daniel Jones. Uh, he has a long ways to go. He's, so he's he, not even looking. Um, I mean, he's he like, he hasn't, it's early in the season still. And when Josh Allen went on his run last year, um, he did it at the end of the season. So, you know, maybe Daniel Jones progresses, but at this point he doesn't even look like end of rookie year, Josh Allen, which like, that's not good. Yeah. Anyway, at this point, like his nickname should be Danny Pennies or something. <laughs> like he he needs to earn the nickname Dimes at first. Yeah, you know, like and he's he's not there. A uh, yes. hundred and how many how many yards? A uh, hundred and ninety seven passing yards per game for the last month. Uh, one and a half interceptions per game. It's just it's really bad
2: well i'm glad that you mentioned that 197 passing yards per game because we're going to come back to a very similar number later on in the show uh will fuller exits early which was a huge bummer um how underly- uh, underutilizes duke johnson in yeah. the texans offense and uh, why is he
1: always underutilized i don't know like i think it's um it's maybe it's like a version it's like the coaching version of matt kelly's take lock Um, like maybe it's just like, uh, you know, they got used to him as a underutilized back in Cleveland and that's just what they thought he was. And then now that he's with the Texans because, uh, of how the Browns used him, um, and like the stupidity of Hugh Jackson, now they're thinking, uh, with even a totally different coaching staff, like, oh, he must just be like a change of pace back. But, um, I think he's you know, like what LaShawn McCoy was in the first like three to five years of his career. Like that's, I think what Duke Johnson is like, uh, on a per touch basis, he's very efficient. Um, one of the most elusive backs in the league. Yep. Um, I, I mean, I don't know why they're not giving him the ball more. I think it's yeah, cause he it, just, he doesn't look like a lead back, but like there can be smaller lead backs who still end up producing quite a bit. Yeah.
2: And, The ways that you can use him, there's so many things that they could do, I feel like, to get him incorporated that they just don't want to do that. It's very frustrating. And I don't even have him on any fantasy teams. Just as somebody who's watching these games, I'm like, let's see what Duke Johnson could do for you right now. I digress, though. Jacoby Brissett, man, four touchdowns, Zach Paschal with two, uh, a win over the Texans for the Colts. Brissett has really been uh, managing to not only factor in as a... um, fantasy option here and there but also uh performing pretty well i feel like um in his fill-in spot for andrew luck it's still hard to know outside of ty hilton which pass catchers you want to go after on a weekly basis does this performance from pasco change anything for
1: you make him a little more attractive to you put him on your radar uh not really um i still think he pretty much is like what he has been to this point um, shout out to, uh, rich Rebar who had a really good statistic. He said, Jacoby percent on, this is on Twitter, uh, yep. was legit good yesterday with 8.4 yards per attempt, but he went full Lance Harbor mode, which is a great reference there. Uh, <laughs> Lance Harbor mode, once again, throwing three more touchdown passes from inside the five yard line, his eight, uh, passing touchdowns from inside the five lead the league, uh, double that the next highest quarterback. Um, so like, he's not. He's not getting a ton of passing yards each week, but he is getting a lot of random short touchdowns, and I think that's pretty unsustainable. So uh, as long as he is still on a team that is really interested in running the ball, uh, I'm still going to be kind of looking to to like stay away from him.
2: Fair enough. Darren Waller, 126 more yards yesterday, two touchdowns josh jacobs with 124 it really feels like the entire raiders offense is just running through these two and that they should be doing more to spread things around but i am not going to hold my breath on that front
1: yeah i don't know why actually they would want to spread things around like i think if they could if they could figure out a way to get those guys the ball more they should um i mean waller had you know i say only eight targets but um he had only eight targets and uh i mean What would be wrong with giving a guy as dynamic as Darren Waller uh, like four more targets per game? Um, He's probably not going to be any more inefficient with those targets than anyone else would be on the team. He'd probably be more efficient. Um, You know, he turned those eight targets into seven receptions for 126 yards, two touchdowns. Like that's you, that's a sign that you need to get him the ball more. Um, What is kind of unreal is that uh, he has an an 88% catch rate. Um, and he's, he's doing that on 8.3 targets per game. Like that's a lot for a tight end, but he's not, he's not really a tight end. Like he's just a big bodied slot receiver. Who's being called a tight end. Um, but like an 88% catch rate, he's basically like a bigger Michael Thomas, like they need to get him the ball. Like, Three more times per game, <laughs> like, I, and I'm serious. Like an eight, an 88 percent catch rate means that you're not giving him the ball enough. Like that's what it means.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a fair way of looking at it. Um, on the other side of the ball, in that game, we saw Aaron Rodgers looking like Aaron Rodgers of old. Aaron Jones with the great catch in the end zone. Jamal Williams also caught one as well. We saw the ball get uh, spread around extremely. Evenly, so many players involved for the Packers over the weekend. Um, MVS with that really long touchdown. Any takeaways for those of us looking to mine a player out of this offense that we can fill in on our rosters in the bye weeks?
1: No, I don't know. I mean, Kumaro has some potential as long as uh, as long as Devontae Adams is out, but Adams, you know, like I imagine he's going to be coming back at some point relatively soon. Uh, and Kumaro is really inconsistent. So he wouldn't be anything more than a flex play anyway. And like, I, at this point, like, I don't see that like MVS or Geronimo Allison would be on, uh, on waivers. So I, I don't think there's really much you can do. Uh, and after this last game, I don't think you can really trade for any of the players on these teams because whoever has them is going to think like, oh no, I need to keep them because now this offense is starting to become awesome. Um, I mean, I, big picture for me is like, I. I I would not bet against uh, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers at home with someone else's money. Like I just, uh, you you cannot (laughs) bet against them when they are at Lambeau. Yeah. Um, Adam
2: Thielen exited the Vikings game with a nagging soft tissue injury. This allowed Stefan Diggs to convert seven of eight targets for 142 yards. Where do we stand now on Diggs? This is going to be the question every week.
1: Yeah. It's, it's interesting in that, uh, he was able to get more targets, uh, relative to what he had done, like the first five weeks of the season, uh, with Thielen out. So he has back-to-back weeks of, uh, 11 and eight targets. Uh, that's pretty good. Um, and the offense is starting to shift a little bit more towards the pass, which I think is also really good. They have a great matchup this week against Washington. Um, is out, which kind of hurts. Um, but uh Josh Norman is out which I think like compensates for it so it's like the defense could be paying more attention to Diggs with Thielen out but he's going to be getting more targets which compensates and then uh there's no Josh Norman there to cover him which also makes it better so uh yeah I mean I I'm still like really hesitant about uh about Diggs because like he is a boom or bust type of receiver anyway uh and then I think that's amplified all the more um with the offense that he's in, but he he has such a good matchup that I think it's hard for him not to be a low end wide receiver one this week. Um, but like, he still has like the capability of uh, like hurting your heart, you know, like he, he could, it would, he could have like a, a 20 yard game this week and it wouldn't be surprising yeah. at all.
2: So CJ Ham had a touchdown. Um, and I was very upset that that did not go to the, to the man that is Stefan Diggs, Like why, why are we, or Alexander Madison or somebody, why are we getting CJ ham involved? Um, the great (laughs) Hambino? I haven't heard that. I like that. Um, also Dalvin cook, 142 yards, two touchdowns. If the season or the 2020, wow. Is it really going to be the 2020 season next year? This is insane. Uh, when the 2020 seasons, if it started today, how high should Dalvin cook be going?
1: Uh, <laughs> number two, number three, you think so? Yeah, I mean, it kind of feels like that, huh? I mean, who would you? I think Christian McCaffrey for sure goes ahead of him. I think Saquon maybe goes yep. ahead of him. Uh, Leonard, I mean, Kamara Leonard, Leonard
2: before the injury, probably not.
1: Uh, Leonard Even Fournette then. would maybe be in the conversation. I don't think Kamara can be in the conversation. I
2: don't think so either. I mean, I guess Elliott could,
1: yeah, Zeke. Zeke would be in the conversation. So I think like at a minimum, he's locked in for a top four pick. But um, I think there's a real argument to be made for him to be like number two.
2: Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Danny Amendola, eight receptions, 105 yards, which might get overlooked. Although I still don't think that this is a situation where you can expect to see Amendola have a lot of weeks like this. But Marvin Jones, who has a
1: penchant uh, for huge games, four touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing that this is uh Amendola's second 100-yard game of the season, which like people just thought of him as like a throw-in afterthought uh at the beginning of the year, but he's, you know, like I mean, it's just it, it's hard to know. Um Right. Like but he he seems like to be a a kind of like strategically significant part of that offense. Um Man, I don't know what to say about Marvin Jones. I mean, uh, no one, no one could have predicted this. I mean, like the four touchdown game, like it's now the second time in his career that he's done this. And did um, he
2: drop one in the end zone that could have been the fit? Like, I, I, I don't know because I was at that point not watching it like sequentially, so I don't know if it actually could have been five or not. Do you know?
1: No, I, I don't know to be honest. Okay. I, I don't watch. Uh, nfc north matchups that's that's not that's (laughs) not how i spend my sundays but uh yeah i mean marvin jones had that season uh a couple of years ago i say at this point is more than a couple of years ago but it's a while ago now yeah i know the one talking about yeah like 2017 he had nine touchdowns 2013 he had 10 touchdowns like he's actually a fairly efficient touchdown score on the targets that he gets Um, so, I mean, 13 targets, that's pretty significant, but I still think of him as being, uh, behind Kenny Galladay within this offense.
2: Yeah, I I think that he definitely is. Uh, now you mentioned Leonard Fournette earlier. I feel like he was significantly overlooked in the preseason, at least when we, you know, put our hindsight uh, lenses on, where do we stand on him currently? It seems like you are pretty high on him.
1: I mean, uh, well, last week was like the nut spot for him this week. Um, I mean, I don't know, like I, he's so inefficient that it like, it angers me. Um, but he's getting so many chances per game. Uh, he's being used fairly regularly also in the receiving game, which, you know, gives him, uh, like, I think a pretty elevated floor. Um, so the big factor is he's not scoring touchdowns. So like in a scoring basis, he's inefficient. And then like, uh, I know he has five yards per attempt, but he hasn't in most games, he really hasn't been all that efficient. Like his success rate isn't all that high. Um, but yeah, as long as he is leading the league in carries and he is right now, um, yeah, you basically, you have to roll with him, even though he's not that efficient. Like he has one touchdown on the season, For a guy who has 172 touches, only one touchdown. Like that's that's unreal. And so uh, that has to regress at some point. Like he has to start scoring more touchdowns, given how many touches and yards he has. Um, But like it is the reminder that he's in an offense that really is not all that good. So it's not as if the touchdowns are just going to magically flow to him. Like he's going to have to work for those touchdowns.
2: I would agree with that. Now, a player that uh, is. Really, really struggling is Joe Mixon. How much of a disaster is Mixon, man? I mean, this is, this is almost as bad as it
1: gets. This, this is as bad as it gets. I don't know what would be worse than this. Um, Especially because too, like you you could potentially still be
2: playing him because it's not one of these where your player just gets hurt in week one that you used an early pick on and then you're not losing the points. Like you still might be wanting to put him in your lineup at, at which point
1: he is just completely screwing you. I mean, riddle me this. How do you bench a guy who is averaging 12 carries and three targets per game? Like that is really hard to do. You have to have uh, like some guys on your team who have really outperformed their draft position, or you just have to be like, you know what? Like this guy is so bad that even though he's getting opportunities, I still don't want him, uh, screwing around my starting lineup.
2: Yeah. It's absolutely insane. Uh, let's talk though about Alex Erickson who had a good day, any good Intel for us? Uh, any thoughts on him?
1: Okay. If I were to tell you, that there's a fairly non-athletic, but like technically sound, uh white, undrafted wide receiver. Could you tell me within five guesses which college he went to? I think you probably could. Um I would say Texas Tech. Okay, that's one guess. No. Um
2: uh. I feel like I should be able to get this, but I'm struggling right now. Um, Kent State? <laughs>
1: no, think, think, okay, Wisconsin.
2: Okay, okay, actually, you know, I don't think I would have gotten there. All I could think of was white Patriots receivers and where they may have gone to school. Okay,
1: so like Wisconsin, Nebraska, uh, yep. like, like Northwestern, like some you know, like any of those, like big 10 right. Where'd
2: Jeff Janis go? Cause I was also going to go, was it Saginaw Valley state? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well that, yeah, yeah. Just to- <laughs> totally different level. But I mean, so it's like, it's the, it's a situation where he fits in to that mold of receiver. Like, I feel like we see this guy, uh, like every, every two to three years. Yep. It's the same player, just a different name. Um, so it's like are we really going to be all that excited by a guy who in his best season uh in college uh had 978 receiving yards and 3 touchdowns. It's like I no. Like uh I and like he sure he had 111 rushing yards uh but in college he never did anything as a return man. It's just like I don't I don't want any part of Alex Erickson. Like the best thing that can happen is that someone else can go crazy on waivers and spend too much on him and put him in their starting lineup.
2: Yeah. And the other thing to keep in mind too, is it took a very unique set of circumstances for him to find his way into a position. Now, sometimes that happens for players and they make the most of them, but the profile for it to happen in his case really isn't there yep. Um, as we talk about him Braxton Berrios I believe just made a catch in this Monday night game Um, S- speaking
1: <laughs> speaking of
2: <laughs> yes Uh, anyway though if you want to be up on everything in the sports in the sports world you want to be able to rattle off this information like my co-host Matthew Friedman does whenever he's called upon I have something you need to check out and that is sports.axios.com Following a team in 2019 in twenty nineteen is time-consuming enough to begin with. Trying to follow everything happening in a sport is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That is why I read through a newsletter from Sports Axios every morning. It's the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA to the NFL. You can even get up on cricket and ping pong. Everything in between, Axios Sports highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed and be like Friedman. It's super simple to sign up and it's free. Sports.axios.com. Not Only will you be caught up. You'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free, curated sports content delivered directly to you. No reason not to check it out, not to read it every morning. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, try for free 99 at sports.axios.com. Another thing that you might not know about Friedman is this guy, when he gets ready to go out hits the town, he looks absolutely distinguished uh you know he's a real heartbreaker, and the thing you need to understand is that Matt does this by going out going to his closet, putting on a custom tailored suit. You have no idea the difference it can make for a man you can you can go into your closet a boy and emerge a man with a well. Fitting suit Now, for me, we've said it before in the show, I am a smaller person. It's hard to find a good fitting suit. But there's a company, Indochino, that was founded on the belief you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. That is why you need to go to Indochino and order a custom fit suit for yourself. They're one of the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brands. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. Everything is made exactly to your measurements, so you get a great fit. And the best part is they are affordable. Almost all of their custom clothing is under $400, which if you've done any suit shopping before, especially custom suits, you know, is an awesome deal. So the process is simple. Uh, You choose your fabric, pick your customizations, submit your measurements. Uh, A package gets delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom, or if you prefer, you you can do it online at indochino.com. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Shipping is free too, which is really sweet. So that's Indochino.com. Again, use the promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more. It's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Matt, your boy, Kenyon Drake. I believe he did not get the start yesterday, and Mark <laughs> Walton had 14 carries for 66 yards and another loss for the Dolphins. Uh
1: wasn't Mark Walton drafted by the Bengals? Yes, he was. Yep, yep. So the guy who the Bengals were like, no, this this isn't going to work.
0: That guy <laughs> is now starting.
1: <laughs> for the dolphins <laughs> and in the totally blatant intentional tank job that they are doing there. Um yeah, I mean I don't I don't know what to say. I don't want any piece of that offense. Just not not at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh any
2: any notes on Buffalo? Your boy Smokey Brown I think had a decent game yesterday outside of Josh Allen. I'm I'm, I'm not too in love with anything there.
1: No, I mean John Brown um I think continues to look impressive. Um not a great situation for him just you know in terms of the overall offense. But uh yeah, I mean, looks like the guy that uh flashed a little bit last year and you know, he's on a pace and who knows if this continues, you know, cuz he could easily get a hamstring pull whatever it is, but he's on pace for over 1200 uh 1200 yards this season, which like that's that's a really good bounce back year for him. Like that would be the best year of his career.
2: Yeah, and actually, I think he's doing that fairly quietly cuz when you say 1200, I I did not have that number in my mind before you would have
1: mentioned it um i mean every so- game he has at least 50 yards uh and then he has like uh, like more consistently games that are like in the 70 yard range you know so if he's able the, i think the big thing for him is not having that uh that floor of like the 20 to 30 yard games as long yeah. as he's able consistently to get some targets and you know to get turn those into receptions and then he has those occasional peak games like i i think he should clear 1000 yards pretty easily
2: Ryan Tannehill, 312 yards, two touchdowns in his first game, replacing Marcus Mariota, eight targets for A.J. Brown, seven for Corey Davis,
1: perhaps a little bit better than uh, we saw Mariota be. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, better, better than Mariota. And, uh, you know, at least he was giving a lot of targets to A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. Like, that's what we want to see but you know, it is Ryan Tanhill. We can't forget about like what the last seven years have taught us about him. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not going to be too enthusiastic about anything to do with Ryan Tanhill, uh, or, or that offense. Cause it's still a really run heavy offense. Yeah. And
2: they were playing a team that apparently is incapable of rushing the ball, maybe even more so than Joe Mixon, despite having two backs that are probably pretty good. Uh, I think Eckler And Gordon both averaged around like two and a half yards per carry. Uh, Eckler, though, did lead the team in receptions and receiving yards. Um, Probably worth noting, though, that since uh, Hunter Henry's return this season, he has been the top tight end in points per game.
1: Yeah, pretty impressive with Henry, especially because like we weren't expecting him to return um, a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, Austin Eckler needs to be more involved and uh, Hunter Henry, it's great for him that he's doing well. Um, I think it's totally destroying everything else on the team uh, because Keenan Allen isn't getting the targets he needs. Uh, the same with uh, Mike Williams. There are, just, there are too many guys there and not enough ball to go around.
2: Yeah, it it is bizarre when you have two receivers like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams that you see them slotting in. Behind. I mean, I guess Hunter Henry is a is a very good tight end, and I think Eckler is a great, uh, receiving back. He's a very good player, but it is kind of odd to see them finishing with those kinds of target volumes. Uh, Matt, the Ravens passing game is falling apart. You referenced Daniel Jones. You were enjoying this way too much. (laughs) I am. I am. Which, which, which is funny because you mentioned, uh, fantasy mansions take lock earlier, but no, like, let's really talk about this over the, since week four, Lamar Jackson, 196 yards and one touchdown per game. The rushing has been absolutely tremendous. Uh, But we're still seeing this continue. Mark Andrews only caught two of his eight targets Sunday. Are you getting even more concerned than you may have been prior uh, with putting words in your mouth there about uh, the passing (laughs) offense in Baltimore? Uh,
1: No, I am not concerned about anything to do with Baltimore uh, because this is pretty much like what you would have predicted um, that they would have been a a pretty disgusting looking uh, passing offense. Uh, and that they would still win games, uh and that Lamar Jackson would have a ton of rushing yards, and he has yep. he's averaged hundred rushing yards per game over the past month, so that more than compensates for any shortfall that he has as a passer um so yeah, still a lot to like about what is happening uh with the Ravens, even though it looks ugly and uh in terms of the passing game, uh you haven't really seen much but uh, to like in terms of PPR points, which I mean doesn't matter for quarterbacks, but whatever. Uh, PPR points the last four games, Lamar Jackson uh, is averaging twenty four point five over that time period. Uh, like he's basically a better Tebow.
2: Oh yeah, definitely a better Tebow, and and I like that. Now we might have said. This let me before. let me rephrase that. I meant yeah.
1: he's Michael Vick. That's what I meant to say. He's Michael Vick. Well, <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves here. No, he's, um, no, he is Michael Vick. Really? Yes. This is this is Vickyan. Uh, he's he's the number one fantasy quarterback. Like what? What do you want? Well, I don't know. I'm gonna have to go back
2: and look at exactly what Vic did. But I feel like in terms of being a passer, we may have been seeing a little bit more out of Michael Vick. I don't know. I might be wrong. It was a different era v- too. Vick was get not into playing. That Vic game. was not a good passer. No, well, he, I'm not saying he was a good passer, but I think he he. I I I am ignorant on this on exactly what he did so I can't make these claims. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna, I'm going to have to go back. We'll, we 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 will have plenty of time to discuss this cuz I will probably bring up Lamar Jackson every week.
1: Okay. That's that's fine. <laughs>
2: Okay. Um DK Metcalf nine targets led the Seahawks. I have to say as far as dynasty rookie wide receivers go, Metcalf has definitely uh asserted himself into a different tier than I was expecting him to.
1: Yeah, been been impressive. Uh, I think, you know, playing at the uh, the higher end of what we would have expected in year one uh, gives a lot of uh, encouragement for what he could do over the long haul. Um, I, I mean, you still would like to see the Seahawks uh, pass a little bit more. Um, they're just so run heavy, but uh, it does help that when they pass, they they really go for it. So they're giving Metcalf deep targets and they're giving him targets in the end zone. And you know that counts for a lot.
2: Should we put the Rashad Penny hopes, assuming that you're somebody that still had them out to pasture?
1: Uh yeah, I mean hopes, yes. Um, but I don't think that really means you change anything with your like uh investment strategy in him because like you can't like you can't get anything for him at this point. Like no one is really interested. So if you have him, you just have to hold him. Right.
2: And then obviously that's from a dynasty perspective. Yeah. I think that
1: Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, for dynasty. Right. If if you which, have Which is really
2: my question. Yeah, but, if you
1: yeah. have him in redraft, uh you have held him way too long. <laughs> way too
2: long. Yeah. Way too long. But apparently uh I think like his like two snaps or whatever it was were just kind of like circumstantial according to the coaching staff.
1: Right. Um yeah. CJ CJ Prosice is <laughs> overtaking him.
2: Yeah. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater keeps it going. Another win for the Saints. Latavius Murray really was the story of the day. Twenty-seven carries, one hundred nineteen yards, and two touchdowns. Adds five receptions for thirty-one yards. Just another example of the backup running back performing admirably in these high-powered offenses. Do the Saints need Alvin Kamara or Drew Brees? Because they seem to be doing pretty well uh, with with uh, Bridgewater and Murray.
1: That was a uh. I mean, he would have said it differently, but that was like a real fantasy mansion type of question, except like, <laughs> instead, like he, he, instead of saying, do they need these guys? He would have just been like, I don't know if they even need these guys.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, yeah. What are they doing? Yeah. Uh, yes. They, they need Alvin Kamara and Drew Brees. Like, I mean, they don't need them uh, if they're playing the Cardinals or the Falcons, they need them if they are going to the playoffs and wanting to win a Super Bowl. So, uh, yeah, that's like the most obvious take ever, but yes, they, they need Alvin Kamara and Drew Brees.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's really hard to make a case that the team is not going to be better with the player like Drew Brees in the playoffs, if not just for the experience, but I still think though Bridgewater has been keeping them afloat, um, you can clearly open up and do a lot more things with the breeze in there. I mean,
1: Yeah. I think what, one thing, sorry to cut you off there. I think what is interesting though, is how good Michael Thomas has still been. Oh my gosh. Um, and I think yeah. it's just one of those instances where, uh, when a lesser quarterback comes in, it's like the the Julio Jones thing with Matt Schaub. Yep. When a lesser quarterback comes in, the main receiver is still going to get his. It's just that the total pie shrinks, uh, and everyone else gets fewer targets. So, uh, I still think Michael Thomas is going to be, you know, like a locked in top three, top five wide receiver every week as long as Teddy Bridgewater's out there. The one thing I would say is like this week, it might kind of be the exception to what I just said in that like he has what I think is going to be a pretty tough matchup against Patrick Peterson. So uh, I still think like he's going to get his targets, but I think he will have a harder time producing with them. Yeah, that's
2: fair. Um, Let's talk about Tariq Cohen's dynasty value, a player that has been mentioned kind of as an example. We haven't talked too much about him. I'm actually... I am noticing that when I'm doing my rankings, I always end up with him a little bit higher than others. And I think that's because for me, I feel like he's a player that teams will just find a way to use to keep him invested in the receiving game. And I think that I value those targets more than maybe an extra three or four rushes uh, a game. I don't know if I feel like you've historically been less optimistic on Cohen than I have.
1: Yeah, I I see both sides of it. So like, I see the okay. I need to think about how to phrase this. Yeah, there's like a like a like a market optimality. I should write about this. Like when it comes to players like Cohen, I'd read that. Um, yep. and so I think entering the league, he was really undervalued um, because he looked like a guy who could never be a lead back he was from a small school uh and he was on an offense that had other other pieces there so people were automatically going to undervalue him um and then now that you know like 3 years in his career people have seen what he can do and he has this uh this built-in floor with his receiving workload i think he's overvalued um because the fact is like all of the concerns that people had about him early on like the most uh relevant parts of those concerns are still there. Like he's never going to be a lead back. Uh and so there's only, I think, like so much value that a guy like that can have. Like he has value as a trade piece and he has value as like a bye week fill-in. Uh he has value as like someone who's near the the bottom of your bench in a best ball. Um, but he doesn't have value for someone who's going to win a championship. You know what I mean? Like you like in order to win a championship you need running backs who are going to be lead backs and like Cohen is never going to he's never going to be that so like i would if i had him i would try to trade him like i would i would try to invest in him early when someone like that is entering the league and then try to trade him once people realize that like he's going to have a bigger role than they assumed he would
2: that's really interesting because i think when you frame it in the context like you just did It makes complete sense what you're saying. Uh, Whereas if I'm sitting there and doing rankings, there might be players that, if I project his short term value, it's higher than, but I agree with you, he's not the type of player that you're going to see on a team that does win a championship in a given season. So you'd almost rather have those guys where uh, perhaps if they break out, they really do have that potential to kind of like storm through the league, which you're not going to see with a player like Cohen. Uh, So I I see what you're saying there. Um, The Eagles really struggled Sunday night. I don't know if there's anything noteworthy other than it still just seems really unlikely at this point that Miles Sanders is able to put things together and emerge as that uh, like league winning running back that everybody was hoping.
1: Yeah, hard to know. I mean, if it happens, it'll be in the second half of the season. Maybe Deshaun Jackson comes back. Their offensive line gets a little bit healthier. But yeah, right now it looks like they're really struggling.
2: Yeah. There's also, Zach Ert, tight end nine in points per game. Jason yep. Witten, tight end 11 in points per game. Of course, I think that we saw a pretty good performance from the Cowboys last night, but some of that had to do with benefiting from playing the Eagles. Give us your Cowboys take.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, it was amazing that they were able to win as home favorites because that almost never happens. Um, so, Especially not against the Eagles, uh, yeah, right? Yeah, good good for them. Um, I still don't know if I have any more of a, a read on this team than I did before the game. So I'm just, I'm, I'm, glad that the Cowboys are on bye and I don't have to think about them.
2: <laughs> uh going back to that thursday night game we didn't actually talk about denver i know we keep talking about this a lot but it was interesting we actually did see in the thursday night game philip Lindsay only out royce freeman 11 to 10 and then freeman with five targets i believe Lindsay only had one so it's interesting we're starting to see that come in line we also haven't talked about noah fan um Really, not a whole lot that we could use to inform our opinion on him at this point, but I don't know if you have any particular take uh through yeah almost I, mean, half I, th- the season. I think
1: I think if you can trade for him uh especially in dynasty, I mean now is the time because he's still he's running routes, he's playing a lot of snaps uh he's getting targeted a decent amount for a a rookie tight end um i I mean, I'm actually encouraged by the degree to which he's being used. And at some point, um, I believe that the production is going to catch up with it.
2: Yeah. And the interesting thing here also, I think at the quarterback position, you think there's any possibility that we see, do see Joe Flacco get benched?
1: Uh, eventually. I I mean, yeah, because right now, like, what is the team? They're uh, two and five. Like, yeah, I mean, they're. I think they're not far away from it one way or another. You know, they lose a couple more games and, you know, They're basically out of the playoffs or they think we've got to do something desperate just to try to, you know, have a shot at making the playoffs. So yeah, it wouldn't be surprising, um, to see them bench Joe Flacco at some point.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm really hoping that that doesn't happen because in pretty much, uh, like every league that I'm in, that is, uh, two quarterback or a non-seasonal league, my quarterbacks were Joe Flacco and Nick Foles. Um, and generally, (laughs) Oh, and a mixture of another quarterback that somehow managed to be to be injured so actually um i had a couple of teams this season matt where i literally did not have a quarterback that i could trot out so i was taking the blank and then fortunately case keenum got dropped and i was able to add him again not a good season
1: yeah no, horrible situation to be in. <laughs>
2: yeah, that is. Um, that's going to do it for today's show. Again, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCavenFF and at MattFTheOracle. Go to RotoViz. We still have a 10% listener-only discount, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast that you can check out. And until next time, remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it.